Hello friends, it is Coach Callie V. And this morning I'm going to talk to you guys, well, I'm just going to do the AKA hashtag whatever quote unquote story time. I am going to share with you guys the part of my life where softball, well, where it started ending as far as playing competitively. So bear with me. This may be a two-parter, but I don't want it to be too long, one at a time, okay? So, this is going to be everything I experienced. Again, my version, and nobody sees one thing the same way. So, somebody else may say, no, I didn't really experience that, or I didn't think that that was going down. And here's the cool thing about your vibe attracts your tribe. When you have somebody within your circle who can come to you with grace and calmness and say, you know, I didn't see it that way, and they will share with you their side within confidence of their relationship with you, those are your people, not the people that say yes, 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 or never correct you or feel bullied but don't have any... um, inner strength to stand up to you or speak what they want to say. Those are not your people. Those are just cattle. Those are just sheep. All right. They're just following you because they're scared. So pay attention to that. That's just a little nugget for y'all. So let's get into this. All right. So we are going to go back to my senior year of high school. I'll never forget my mom telling me, hey, we got to buckle down. And then she asked, what do you want to go to college to do, like, sports-wise? Because we were always raised, you know, under the um, assumption of you're going to get a scholarship um, off of some type of sport. And we played, and when I say we, my sister and I, we played a lot of sports. I mean, we, we even rodeoed. Like, we grew up doing the Kansas High School Rodeo Association. Um, we did some of the junior stuff. Um, and then when I moved to New Mexico, I moved right into New Mexico High School Rodeo Association. So we were very busy children, <laughs> which was great, and I love it. And I have some amazing memories for that. So, I, you know, maybe this was my 18-year-old brain. Was I 18 yet? I don't even know. I was either 17 or 18 because I turned 18 in March of my senior year. So, I just was like, uh, I'll either go to college on a softball scholarship or a rodeo scholarship. Whatever happens first. To me, it was as simple as that. It was as black and white as that. Because I felt like I was just as good at both of them that whatever came knocking on my door first... There was my sign. Oh, if life were that easy, right? (laughs) So, anyways, I go ahead and I sign with a school out of Kansas. It was a first softball program for the school. And man, that was so exciting to know that you were going to be the part of history being made. And I remember the coach asking me if I had any other... Um, players that I would recommend and of course I had to like you know speak about the girls that I played with in Kansas these girls that I had been around since I was eight years old you know one of them 
her dad was my pitching coach and the other one her mom was second mom and a coach and just you know I grew up with these girls so we ended up playing ball together that's the crazy thing in college so it was pretty cool but it didn't I don't know it could have went better and I'll get there so anyways I go ahead and I sign with this school <clears throat> and I remember taking my ACT guys I was not a brain I was a brute like I would lift with the football team with he's my brother but technically technically he's my stepbrother but I would lift with them like I had 16 inch biceps in high school and I just I didn't care that was a cool thing you know when I see these girls get caught up in that stuff like I get it I had friends that were caught up in their looks and their weight and to the point where they wouldn't eat in high school um, they would even turn to drugs to stay thin like it happened like it was it was a real thing you know I just didn't have one I didn't have time to take drugs I didn't have time to think about um, what I looked like I mean I did have those days like um, my senior year I went to prom and I hated shopping because nothing ever fit me and now I'm 40 and nothing really ever fits me I have a very unique body I was made to move things uh, I didn't start getting curves until probably after I had my first kid like it's pretty crazy right but I was always strong definitely had that going for me and I could run if I put my mind to it I, I would run it was in me I was fast so I ended up signing with the school and was on top of the world and it was a JC but they were the they were like one of the top JC schools out of the Jayhawk region so that was a bonus I knew I was coming into a first-year program but it was also a very competitive school like their baseball team was amazing their basketball teams were amazing their volleyball team love those girls we had girls all the way from like Brazil playing volleyball um, and basketball we had girls from like Romania like it was so cool to meet those people and just to see their athleticism and their commitment and back then their grit we didn't even have the word grit it wasn't even in a vocabulary like, like it is now so I signed with him and then I took my ACT and I called the coach and I'm like um I bombed it she's like well what do you mean and I said <laughs> I got a 13 <laughs> I know you guys are probably all like wow wow like that's terrible <clears throat> it was terrible but you know what she told me we're not signing you for your grades your grades are fine your grades are gonna help you in some way we're signing you for your arm for your athleticism so I literally got a scholarship because I'm a jock I still am and I was then just a jock right I only passed school so I could play sports literally <laughs> great motivation right <clears throat> so a week after I had signed with them I got a call from California I don't even I couldn't even tell you the school I can't remember I maybe if I was hypnotized and I could look back into that I could probably pull it out of my brain somewhere but I was so excited I didn't know the questions to ask uh, but I got a call from California we'd love to talk to you and you know offer you a scholarship and possibly come out here and visit and I'm like I'm good I already signed with the school now these are things that I have learned from that time to now especially being a college athlete advisor is 
you can't make a lateral move, but you can make a vertical or you can go lower. So if you're D2, you can drop down to JC. But if you're JC, you can't go to a JC. And JC meaning junior college, okay? So I didn't ask those questions. For all I know, this was a D2, D3 school and I should have shown interest. I shouldn't have been so quick. Like looking back, oh, hindsight 2020, right? <laughs> I should have because that decision that I made to go to that school, it impacted such a rough road. Like it literally paved a rough road for me. And that rough road, I made some really stupid decisions within the moment. And you know, again, I, in my age, I've learned to accept like, yeah, you probably should have looked at that school. Things probably would have been a little bit easier. Maybe if I would have went somewhere else, maybe I would have never had the medical condition that ended my career. There's a lot of those what ifs and a lot of those maybes and they used to haunt me, but they don't really, a little bit. It's still there and it, it's still, the wound still has to be there in some way, some form. Like it just, it has to. It's almost like a scar that kind of hurts. Like scar tissue hurts. I've had three C-sections and there's internal scar tissue I can tell hurts. And I know other people in my life that have had scar tissue from wounds and it hurts. So I went ahead and I went to the school, not knowing, <laughs> not knowing how to move to college. I brought everything. I feel so bad for my roommate. She, it was one of the girls I had grown up, literally lived down the road from. Um, I used to sneak her out when we were in high school. <laughs> I was so scared her dad was going to kill me, but because he was scary. But anyways, um, so I get there and I go to college and it was a really good freshman year. Uh, I was a starting, the starting pitcher. I wasn't starting pitching. I would start at second or I would start at right. My biggest accomplishment for that year was being an NJCAA <clears throat> top returning player. I remember I was in the book. I was so excited. There was a picture of me and there were my stats. Batting average was in the 400s. Like it was just, that's what I had set out to do. I honestly couldn't tell you what kind of grades I had. I did enough to get by. I attempted math during school, like when school was in session, not summer school, but like regular school and I was terrible. I changed my major, I do remember that. I wanted to be an English teacher and I remember when I started writing papers, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I cannot do this. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna be a teacher. So I ended up just going for my associates in arts. So let's fast forward to my sophomore year. Our freshman year coach ended up resigning. There were some stipulations. She was a little close in age and there was stipulation that she had been at parties and or she would be like in the same place like if there were dance clubs where I went to school and you could get in with your ID at 18 and she would be there and so the higher powers that be over her would say you should have left you shouldn't have been around them kind of thing so needless to say she was kind of in the hot seat but 
she's good. Like, she ended up resigning. She ended up moving back to New Mexico and being with her family. And I believe she ended up getting married. So that was good. So it was the end to a chapter in her life and the beginning of another one. So, so anyways, sophomore year, I decided to stay throughout that summer. And I had a roommate and we had this little house. It was such a cute house. And I worked at Walmart and I worked at Papa John's and Walmart. I worked in the automotive department and Papa John's, I delivered pizza. So I had two jobs and then my other job was working out for softball and then math. I had signed up, I believe it was an eight o'clock class and I would make sure I would be at the wellness center, which was like our gym at our college. I would try to get there by six every morning, do my workout. And then I would go to class from there and I always left time to go in there and talk to my new coach and he was the new director of the wellness center and I ended up forming a great player coach relationship like we would sit there and he would talk hey you know how does this look you know how does this work out for you guys how do you how do you think this drill is gonna look he would ask me about pitching drills he would you know pick my brain about certain things moving like physically like certain movement in our body and and what I thought was going to be a good relationship for when the school year started I it went south and I don't know what happened and I'm sorry if I use this phrase I was literally treated like a red-headed stepchild so I'm sorry if you're red-headed and you're a stepchild I don't mean anything by that it's just I was treated like I was never good enough. Um, it didn't, I remember just thinking, how did I go from my freshman year to this? To feeling so, how would you say, confined? Um, to feeling so judged? To feeling so restricted? I just, so what had happened was coming from being the starting pitcher. I went into my sophomore year and when season time hit, I started, well, so you know the difference between like if you start, but if somebody comes in and closes, like the closer, like you understand that, right? So six games underneath my belt my sophomore year as a pitcher. I won four. That's a really good stat. So I I mean, in a way, if you look at it like that, I came out of my sophomore year and I won. I beat it but that's not how it was supposed to go at least my heart says that right my heart says I should have came in there and carried over for my freshman year been given the same opportunities if not more to get even better there were plenty of times where he would ask us who wants to go on and play you know at a higher level because this was just JC so like D3, D2, and D1 they were all open to us and that was part of my thinking of I want to go JC I want to get my stats up I want to get my name out there and then I think I can get more scholarships and I was headed that way until he came into my life again this was something that if I wouldn't have shut the door on the other opportunity of playing somewhere else maybe it wouldn't have turned out this way So yes, there are consequences for every action you make. And you might rationalize it to the aspect of, well, it's just the path I chose. It's the life I'm living. You know, I brought this all on myself. 
you can to a point, but it, at some point you have to step up and you have to own it. You have to own the fact that, you know what? I screwed up. I, I probably should have looked at other schools. So if you're listening to this and it's your senior year and you haven't committed yet, I highly encourage you to hold off until the end. And I think I could be wrong, but I want to say it's like the first week of June is, I think it's like June 4th and I could be wrong. Totally could be wrong. So don't quote me. Just Google it if you need to or ask your coach. But I think that is around the last day for signing. Like you have to be committed. So if you can wait till the end, I highly recommend it. Just based off of my story, um, especially if you, you're really wanting to find a school that's going to give you a solid footing. I know solid footing, that doesn't sound right, but a solid footing, a solid foundation in your name and your stats to help build you for another school or possibly to go into the pros, right? So, so anyways, sophomore year, he would ask that and I would be the only one. And I just remember looking at all the girls and looking at them going, why aren't they? But they're really good. They should want to go on. But she's amazing. She should want to go on. How do you just get to decide to quit? Like, no. And he would look over at me and look away as if I wasn't even there. And that's kind of when the, the damage started getting deeper. There were two games I remember my sophomore year. Two games that are branded in my mind. There's a practice in my sophomore year. There's actually three games that are branded in my mind. And then there's a practice. And I'm going to share those with you. So let's talk about the two pitching experiences out of the six. We had a home game. And the pitcher that was starting just could not get out. Like, we were literally going to lose this game. And he decided... Excuse me, hold on. Wires are crossing. This was not home. This was actually at our... um, Hold that thought. So I'm going to put the home game. Okay, home game is there. And I'm pitching. Holding it down. We're literally one-to-one. And... I have this mental grit, like, and a lot of coaches, and especially him, it, 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 how would you say it, um, it offended him. He would say, why do you wait? Why do you play with the batters? Why don't you just shut it down? And I'm like, because my accuracy is on point and I have confidence within my pitching. It's you that don't have the confidence in me. And he didn't, he never did. But the other pitcher, It was like chicken on a hot plate. Like anything you wanted, he would do in a heartbeat. So ladies, if you wanna play and you don't wanna cause commotion or you don't wanna be the athlete that you were made to be, then I highly recommend just being a sheep and doing everything that you're told to do. Now I say that and I'm probably gonna have an athlete who's gonna challenge me and I'm great with that because I was that athlete. When he came to me in practices and would stand, you're gonna love this, stand three, it felt like three inches, but he was maybe six, away from me while I was pitching on the side of me and literally sit there and be like, nope, nope, you need to, nope. I was already 18 years old. 
college coaches are not good college coaches do not change a pitcher who was signed for pitching they want that pitcher they want to sign that pitcher because they don't have to change anything in their pitching does that make sense so anywho he would do that and I mean it was so frustrating I never had a coach like that in my life and the saddest thing is I'll get to that point he was the last coach I ever had which awesome <laughs> so anyways he would sit there right beside me and almost do this like intimidating thing and yeah he intimidated me but in the aspect of get out of my bubble like you're in my 18 inch bubble just like if somebody were at the grocery store that was the kind of intimidation he did so whatever he thought he was doing it was the wrong way okay so let's go back to the game so I knew I knew I had this game I was like I got this I got this I got this here it comes here it comes well, he pulls me and I remember I couldn't even talk. The newspaper was there and the newspaper actually wrote a really awesome article about why he, what was he thinking by pulling me because per the stats, I was doing the work. There was no holes in what I was doing. And he made it like this direct thing with me and when they interviewed him, that's how it came out. So of course the local paper turned it on him and they were like, he made the decision to pull his picture. They pulled all my stats from the year before and it was, it was very valiant from the paper. They were totally on my side, but it was how I dealt with it. It was probably one of my lowest points and I have another one as being an athlete, especially a collegiate athlete, but I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't look at him. I couldn't sit in the dugout because I was already starting to feel very betrayed by my teammates too. He had this weird thing, like he could put, he, he could create so much drama on our team. And then at the same time, he would say, I don't even know how to coach girls. I don't even know why I'm here. I've only coached boys. You're the first girls I've ever coached. I don't know how to coach you guys. So it was really, there was a lot of manipulation going on, right? So. I remember my assistant coach, she was amazing. She was a mama. She was a former player. Like she came up to me and tried to hug me. And I said, I can't right now. I got to go to the restroom. And I remember sprinting off to the restroom and I walked in there and I broke down. So, Oh, I'm going to start crying. I broke. I broke. Everything that was trained in me to do, he took it from me in that one second. I wasn't in the hole. I wasn't walking people. Our defense, it was just a great game, you know? It was one of those games, like Division I games, where the winner actually makes their first run on the board in the seventh inning. It was that good of a game. And I bawled in the bathroom. And then all of a sudden, my we got booster parents. Like they were like foster parents as athletes. And um, she comes in after me, and she just holds me. And she's like, "It's okay." And I was like, "I don't know what I need to do. Like I'm doing everything that's asking me to do. Like I'm putting in the work. If not, I'm doing more. Like I was doing." 
a lot of times I would show up in the mornings, work out, and then we'd have practice, and then I would stay late, go back to the gym, work out. Like, I was doing so much, and like, I don't know if he was aware of that or if he even cared. So, so that happened, and it was hard for me to talk to him after that. It, he never he never tried to make it better. He never tried to say, hey, we need to discuss this. I think maybe some things got misunderstood. He never did those things. So that's why, like, in my own coaching career, I talk a lot, like, to my, my athletes. And I use a lot of metaphors. And sometimes I crack myself up inside because I'm like, <laughs> you just made a metaphor out of a piece of grass, you know, or something stupid. Like, how, why did I do that? But I, I want to make sure that communication gets across to my athlete. I don't want my athlete to ever feel like they don't know what they're doing or I'm robbing them of something. I'm breaking them in half and leaving them. I will take you down, but I'm going to build you back up. And that was one thing that he could not do. So I started to notice that he had the negative aspect of favorites. Um, it didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter what my stats were. I would print off my stats and take them to him. He didn't care. He was fully aware of what my stats were. Um, when I had, I had walking pneumonia my sophomore year. And I went, I finally went to the doctor and they were like, you have to let your body rest. And this was on a Thursday and the doctor wrote a note saying she cannot go to softball practice. She can attend class just so she doesn't drop her grades, <clears throat> but I don't want her at practice. She needs to be resting. When I gave him that note, he looked at me as if I had made it up. And this doctor's office was right across from our campus. So it was very like, again, what am I doing wrong? Like, tell me. He would never tell me. Okay? So I basically fell into like a four-day coma other than being asleep because that's how much rest my body needed. And then the other game was at, it was the last game I ever pitched in my college career. I did pitch a little bit after um, on a fast pitch reservation men's team, like right after my sophomore year. That was crazy. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but it was a blast and I had a blast stri striking these full grown men out. But anyways, um, we were at our college divisional tournament and the pitcher that was pitching before me, she had struggled the game before, so he decided to put me in for this game. And again, it was one of those games. It was like the, the game that I always prepare my pitchers to pitch in. The seventh inning, the one-to-one, -one, bases are loaded, we need one more out. Like, it's that kind of pressure. And that's probably why I do that with a lot of my pitchers is because I wanna prepare them for anything, right? I was never prepared for a man like this to coach me, okay? I, you know what, let's just be true. It doesn't have anything to do with him being a man. Anybody could have done this, right? Okay, so anyways, I get pulled, and again, I'm literally like snatched right out of my zone, like right out of my, I'm gonna win this, I'm gonna hold this down, like we're gonna get this. Again, my stats were on point. My defense was working. It was just one of those games. And I get pulled, and this was probably the worst thing I ever did as an athlete. <laughs> and it was the only thing like this I ever did. 
he walks out, takes his hand and reaches out to me to take the ball and didn't even say anything to me and I looked at him and I threw the ball up in the air. I walked off the field. By that time I had already started crying and we had a like a bag. It was like one of those roll-up equipment bags that you would hang on the fence back in the day. Um, we had one of those. I took my glove. I threw my glove into the dugout and everything got knocked off. Ken, the assistant coach, she comes to console me and I'm like, just stop. Get off of me. Just stop. You are letting him do this. You have a place in his coaching career and you're refusing to hold him accountable. And I go to the bus and I literally just sat on the curb. I was so ready to go and I just bawled and I bawled and I bawled and I like ugly cry. And you're never going to believe it, but one of the girls that I grew up playing with, her dad was my pitching coach, right? His daughter was pitching. She went in to pitch. He came over to check on me. He was at this game. He sat down beside me, put his arm around me, and told me, you did such an amazing job. It was awesome. And for the longest time, I think there was this comparison between his daughter and I. We were always trained together. I think people like to compare us. They like to try to put us at each other's throats, which is another reason why I work so hard with my pitchers on my team or any other pitchers on any other teams that I work with. If there's, you know, one or two pitchers on the same team, it's it's constructive. We're not we're not going to deconstruct each other. I've lived that and it hurts. And there he was consoling me and letting me know how awesome I did. And he was very proud of me and very, very proud of how far I've grown. So keep in mind, this person, he knew me since I was I think they moved to town when I was seven or eight and he had taken the principal position at the high school and he's the one that saw the talent in the softball community and he and another girl I grew up with the mom they decided to get together and start coaching so we had little travel teams going on and it was basically kind of like what's going on in my community how the girls that play all-stars, a lot of times those girls end up staying together and playing a lot of travel ball together for years to come. So it was the same thing. And then we play our little city league and we always capitalize there. And then we go into volleyball and in middle school and we win every game and basketball, same thing. Track, we dominated. There was just a solid core group of players. Let me do the math real fast. Let's see. I think there were trying to make sure but I'm pretty sure there were six of us and we were always in every sport except one did not play softball so in that we actually had another girl that moved to town later and she kind of took her place on the field so she was a softball player so we were just like that solid core group you know so that's actually what I'm trying to do with our tenure team is we have a handful of girls that are very athletic and can play other sports and they are amazing at softball and that's my goal is to make this team a powerhouse to make these girls grow together 
lift each other up, to not compete with each other in such a way that it hurts hearts, but to challenge their minds. So, anyhow, he comes up, tells me that, and that kind of puts, you know, closure on that situation. Again, never, never was talked to from my coach, never tried to heal the situation, never tried to say, never even tried to call me out, like say, hey, that was disrespectful what you did. You had no right to act that way. Never, never communicated with me. So you talk about feeling like you were left out. There was no communication. Not even when, like, and it's so true. When kids are acting out, they're doing that to get attention. So looking back, I blew my lid with him because I was trying to get his attention, right? Okay, so those are the two games. Let me tell you about the one. So I already kind of shared with you the pitching practice where he stood there and just kept making negative comments and putting me down and was all up in my personal space. And then he would go to the other pitcher like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Like right in front of me, like he knew exactly what he was doing. Like I said, he manipulated us really well to where we started competing negatively against each other. So the one hitting practice we had, uh, it was before we went on our spring break tournament and we would go all the way through different colleges in Oklahoma. And at that time we had went to Miami, Oklahoma. There's a little college out there. Oh, they had such a cool stadium. I remember that, it was awesome. But he had forgot to take me out of the lineup. So I went up to bat. Mind you, guys, this was the only time I had seen the box in a game my entire sophomore year. Coming off of my freshman year stats, it made zero sense, right? So the practice before we leave, I'm upstairs hitting in the tunnel and there was a chair, just like one of those plastic chairs. Like, I don't know if you graduated in the nineties, they just think about those choir or those band chairs. It was like one of those. And I remember he was up there. I believe his wife was up there too. And I hit a line drive so hard into one of those chairs. It was the chair that the person that was feeding the machine had been sitting in and they got up and she'd moved it out so it wasn't in her way. I hit it so hard I busted the entire back side of that chair out. Okay. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. I, you know, I just was like, the little kid in me was like, oh, coach just saw that. I'm totally going to get to that. He just saw that. Yes, I'm hitting so good. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm going to get to bat. 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 I turn and I look at him and I'm like, did you see that coach? Can I hit? Can I hit this weekend on our spring break, you know, tournaments? Like, can I do that? And he's like, nope. And everything in me just <laughs> whittled in like the wicked witch of the whatever east or west and i know i should know this in the wizard of oz when her feet whittle underneath the house that's what happened to my heart that's what happened to my passion that's what happened to everything inside of me so then we travel which was really hard because he had done such manipulation on our team there were so much awkward pockets between players it was so hard to talk to people everybody there was like silence in the room um 
if people would talk, it was just about random stupid things. It was nothing meaningful. Like it was really tough time. And again, this is my perception. There are three sides to every story, yours, theirs, and what actually happened. So he forgets to take me out of the lineup in one of the games. Guess what I did? I hit the ball so hard in between short and third. The shortstop ended up going over to get it, but it knocked her down. It was basically the hit that I hit in the cage all over again. And I remember running to first, like, this is it. I finally did it. I finally owned it, you know? And back then I didn't use that terminology, you know, owning your opportunity to do great things. That's something that has been on my heart in the last three years, you know, but I'm starting to understand why, you know? So I get to first and the assistant coach, she's like, you're out. And I was like, what? And she goes, but you hit it so hard, kid. You knocked her down. You made her work to get you out. And I was like, okay. And I just, I still was pumped because I was like, that was, that was a hard hit, you know? And right now in this day and age, everybody's worried about your V load and how hard you're hitting off the bat. I would love to have seen the V load off that, how hard it was coming off the bat. Like, yep. I would have loved that. Getting the dugout and I'm all pumped, you know, and I'm just like, let's go. And he turns and he's like, switching out the lineup and he looks at me and he goes and he says it in front of everybody right before everybody goes out to take the field that out that was my fault I forgot to put somebody in to hit for you oh again with the shriveling of everything I've ever loved right about the game wasn't good enough his mistake. He forgot to set me out. Just dirty, right? Ugh. Now, I've, I've grown long enough to know that obviously this person had something tragic happen to him. Maybe he didn't like girls, because sometimes I would sit back and see how he would communicate with his wife, and it was odd. Very odd. And, and it was just, the whole thing about them was odd. Um... I remember there were two girls that got, that had a huge party and he had said, if you have parties and I hear about it, you're going to be suspended. And then I got questioned and I'm like, I don't, what do you, I don't even live in a house anymore. I'm in the dorms. Like, so there was some really weird stuff that happened my sophomore year and I couldn't tell you why other than somebody had hurt him really bad. Um, he refused to grow. Um, I think I was his lesson because I'm pretty sure he's still coaching. So that tells me that he's learned something. So I, I would like to say I hope I was his lesson. So, so yeah, so that's kind of the beginning chapter of my collegiate softball career that, well, it's the first one that leads up to the next one. So Stay tuned for part two. It's coming. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Dang it, I did it again. Oopsie. Anywho, you want to follow me more? I'm going to give you the platforms. Are you ready for this?
Instagram, Coach Callie V. Facebook, Callie V Softball. YouTube, you gotta search for it, but it's Callie V. And it's just like Sally, but with a K. Twitter, underscore Callie V underscore. And the best hashtag to follow me is hashtag Callie V Softball. Thank you, and I appreciate the follows.